Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast, where I'll be coming to you every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God, which is my absolute favorite thing to do. Every week, I'll bring you encouragement to see God working all things together for good, from scriptures to devotional excerpts to song lyrics to personal examples from my journey through redemption and restoration. Joining this community on a regular basis, where it's okay to be real and throw off our masks of perfection, will not only encourage you, but will motivate and stir your hearts and just possibly leave you forever changed. In times like this, we all need to be encouraged as we face the challenges, difficulties, and losses of this life. So I look forward to growing right along with you in authenticity and transparency as we endeavor to find the faithfulness of God in our everyday lives. So take a moment to write a review on Apple so even more people are able to find the encouragement you're about to hear. Each episode is broadcast on my YouTube channel before it's converted and brought to you in this audio format. If you'd like to get in on the fun and giveaways at my YouTube home, join me over there at Athena Dean Holtz for even more encouragement. So hey, let's get started. Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here for this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. The title of today's broadcast is Really? Me? Become a Christian? No way. I'll be sharing my sometimes comical fight with God thinking I knew better than those losers who loved Jesus did. So the truth is that I was spiritually confused at this point in my life. You have to understand, I'd never heard the gospel. I'm 33 years old, have no concept of salvation, repentance, sanctification. This was all totally foreign to me. I only knew spiritual talk, but nothing based on the scripture, the inerrant, inspired word of God. Here's an example of my ignorance at the time. I was doing some some sort of canvassing in our neighborhood. And a woman asked me, are you a Christian? I sputtered, searching within my head for an answer, thinking, well, I'm not Jewish. I'm American. Yeah, I sure am a Christian. (laughs) That got me off the hot seat and out of that situation without any more discussion. At this point in my life, I was making over $100,000 a year as one of the first female senior vice presidents with a company called A.L. Williams, which sold term insurance and then helped people take what they saved from their whole life policy and put it into mutual funds. That success was hard won, and I easily worked 60 to 70 hours a week. My commitment to this business was the relationship that meant everything to me. Truth be told, I pretty much ignored my husband and children and put all my energy into moving up the ladder within the company because of the accolades I received. What I didn't realize until later is that without me realizing it, God had placed me 
right in the middle of an organization filled with Christians. I was surrounded. Pretty soon, all I heard about me was praises to God for a successful month or for a new team member. Seriously, I was like, really? Ugh, okay. The company had developed this TV network and broadcast daily motivational meetings from their offices in Atlanta. I remember seeing these regional vice presidents, senior vice presidents like myself, and national sales directors and other up-and-coming agents thanking Jesus for their promotion. I literally would roll my eyes and think, next. I mean, I was so over all of this. I didn't want to hear any of it. They were all wimps. I didn't need a crutch like Jesus. Remember, remember what my dad taught me. I can do anything I want to do if I just want to do it bad enough. I don't need Jesus to succeed in life. Now, let me paint a picture for you. You see, in the culture of Scientology, which I just spent seven years in, no one did drugs, but everyone smoked a lot of cigarettes, drank a lot of alcohol, also drank a lot of coffee, and cussed like sailors. Seriously, I dropped the F-bomb every other sentence coming out of my mouth. It was just what everyone did, and it became a habit that I really did not think about. So just think about that. Here I am in the middle of all these Christians, and I'm effing this and effing that. I just cannot imagine how these Jesus lovers felt as I cursed their God and cussed up a blue streak. But I was a go-getter. I inspired others. I made it to regional vice president faster than anybody ever had at that point in the company. They saw something in me that gave them, I guess, an extra amount of grace for me. I can just imagine what they were thinking. Man, if we can get that woman saved, she actually could really do something for God. <laughs> what I didn't really see happening on the home front was my husband diving deep into the Freeman movement. He had needed something to do with his time, so I had trained him in the fundraising business that I'd learned from my dad. And as he built that, he worked with another guy who was also a Scientologist, and they started going to these meetings put on by the John Birch Society and other organizations that basically believed that it was our God-given right to do whatever we want without paying taxes, having a driver's license, or following any sort of protocol set up by the government. So he basically went off the deep end with the Freeman movement. And without me realizing, he'd been running this fundraising business for months without the proper business license or reporting to the charity division of the Washington State Department of Revenue. Well, one night as I drove home from my office in downtown Seattle, the wind howled and the windshield wipers cut through the heavy rain as I inched onto the freeway. My thoughts were reeling over challenges of the day. And all of a sudden, I'm like jarred into the present. 
as the news broadcast on Cairo declared Chuck and Athena Dean indicted for the largest charity fraud case in the history of Washington State. As you can imagine, I am furious. His ridiculous involvement in this dangerous movement threatened my business. And you have to understand, you can't have a securities license and have the word fraud connected with your name. Even though I had nothing to do with the business, I was not involved. I had no management responsibility, but because I was married to him, I was dragged into the middle of this situation and I was angry. It was over for us. His behavior had put my reputation in danger with the company I adored. And frankly, I just had enough of his antics. I made the decision. It's over. We're going to divorce and it would be best for me to distance myself from him. So I go away to this leadership conference for a weekend and I come home to a different man. While I'm away, he had a conversation with our manager crying over the end of our marriage. Bill asked him, well, you know, you've tried everything else. Why not try Jesus? He said, well, sure. So they prayed. He surrendered to Christ. And I was looking at a changed man. My resolve was shaken, but I was still determined we were done. He came to me later that evening and asked if I would please reconsider trying again. And I heard myself say, well, I guess we can. God had softened my heart, and I'm sure all those Christians in the company were praying for me. I just began thinking to myself, Well, I don't even know where that came from, but I said it. So if I'm going to stay married to him, then that means I'm going to have to be one of them. I guess I'm going to have to be one of those Christians. I have no idea what that means. I didn't understand what it entailed, but I reached out to my national sales director and I asked him to help me. He asked me to read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And as I read that, I began to see my need for a savior. I remember tears streaming down my face, calling Mike and saying, I guess I need to say that prayer and surrender my life to Christ, but I don't know how to say it. I don't know what to do. And he led me in that prayer. And I've never looked back. God did a miracle in my heart. My habit of cursing was completely wiped away. My F-bombs were gone for good, and I was a new creation. Then not long after that, as we learned what it meant to pray for God's help and receive mercy, the fraud case against us was dropped. Now, granted, they charged us a pretty hefty fine, but they dropped all the charges. So just think about that for a minute. The God of the universe loved me enough to draw me out of the darkness of the new age, the cult of Scientology, and into a business filled with believers who would begin to pray me into the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? He knew my love for and even my unhealthy use of work 
to numb my pain and still used that work environment to open up my eyes to see his goodness. Now that is a faithful God. So as hardcore against Christians as I was, isn't it amazing how much God's love can invade even the hardest of hearts? I mean, I had nothing sewn into my young life that would move me towards Jesus. Nothing at all. In fact, my little brother sent me a video made from the 16 millimeter filming my dad always did as we were growing up, where he interviewed Lee about this particular Thanksgiving meal that we were having around the table. And my dad would film all year long. And then next year, he would sit down with us downstairs and watch hours and hours of film and bring us each down and interview us about whatever we were watching on that particular film. Then he would encode the audio onto the 16 millimeter film. And this day, it was Thanksgiving. And it was about I don't know, I was probably 10 years old, so it had to be like 1963. We're all sitting around the table, getting ready to carve up the turkey. My dad sits down at the head of the table and says, okay, well, now we're going to eat some turkey. And before we do that, we're going to give thanks. And my two-year-old little brother spouts off, to who? (laughs) My dad answers, well, well, We're going to give thanks for all the nice things that happened to us. Again, Lee says, give thanks to who? And my dad hems and haws and says, we're going to say thank you to, well, everybody and to God. To which Lee retorts, where's the God? Oh, man, my dad did not know what to do with that since he didn't even know God. He finally blows out a big breath and was probably rolling his eyes as the scene unfolds on the movie sets, you know, in the den where they're kind of huddled in the dark. And he says, well, see, we're talking to him right now. See, we had our heads bowed and we just gave the blessing. Lee says, so we're saying thanks to God for the turkey? My dad answers, oh, no, not really. My brother was so curious. Then what? Did God help you get the turkey? My dad's voice raised up into this happy sing-song sound. Well, I guess, kind of. He helped us get the turkey, well, um, by providing the opportunity. That was the extent of the focus we put on God in our household. I pray that gives you some hope. Do you have someone in your life who hates God and you just cannot imagine how God could ever get a hold of them? I'm pretty sure there were some people praying for me feeling the exact same way. And really, when I think about it, I didn't have any understanding of God or Jesus or the cross or any of that. I didn't have scriptures memorized in childhood that could resurface and draw me. I had none of that. And as determined as I ever was to never, ever be one of them, God had another plan and he used many different faithful ones to plant 
and water those seeds as he gave the growth. So God created me the way he did, not to be quiet and compliant, but to be strong-willed. To have that kind of personality, he knit that into me as I grew in my mother's womb. He created the talkativeness in me, my outgoing nature, and my passion for justice. And he had a plan to use those gifts. The enemy of my soul did everything possible, everything he could to thwart God's plan. But God, he's faithful and he's sovereign and he's bigger than any plan of the evil one in our lives. God created me to rebel against the gates of hell, to stand up in holy resistance and defiance against the works of the enemy, to speak up and speak out against the deception of the new age, the wrongs perpetrated against women and children, against all kinds of abuse, especially spiritual abuse, to open eyes to the strategies and tactics of the evil one, so we are not duped by him, but instead use the weapons of our warfare that God gave us, knowing who we are in Christ and the authority we have to stand against the enemy's plan and be victorious. It's crazy as I look back and connect all the dots, the enemy's plan contrasted with God's plan and how for a while, it really did look like the enemy was winning. But God is faithful. Absolutely no doubt about it. He took what the enemy meant for evil and used it for good. How cool is that? So, hey, thanks for joining me today. I hope this encouraged you today. And I look forward to seeing you next week on Redeemed and Restored. And as usual, you know the drill. Like, follow, share, and comment on this episode. I would love to hear how you're connecting the dots as we go along each week with these messages. So my name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast, brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who could use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.